Did you ever wonder how some of the greatest people today become who they are? Most everyone has experienced that turning point in their life. It's these moments that forever changed who they were into whom they become. Today on The Moment with Chris Epting, you'll hear from these people and hopefully be inspired to find your own life-changing moment. Now, here is your host, Chris Epting. Hey there and welcome. Thank you for joining me here on The Moment today where I have a super special guest. I mean, selfishly, if if you're a music fan like I am, sometimes you get to talk to people and you you know you'd love to uh, monopolize their time for more than one hour. And and David Freiberg is certainly one of those guys. He has not only been a member of Jefferson Starship for a long time, but back in the 60s, was a member of the Quicksilver Messenger Service. And uh, a lot's gone on since back then. David, are you there? I am here. Thank you for joining me today, man. It's a real pleasure to talk to you. Um, like I said earlier, before we went on live here, uh, Quicksilver to me is, are many stories into themselves. We'll get to that in a minute, but, but this week, for people hearing the show live today, there is a new EP coming out uh, that a lot of people are talking about now. You know, it's hard these days. Obviously, the music business is a lot different than it was when you first started out, but the new Starship EP, Mother of the Sun, there's been a lot of buzz about. How, how do you feel about it? Are you happy with the work? Is it what you, what you expected? You know, I'm, I'm, ecstatic. I'm ecstatic with it. Tell me why. And with the people in this, that are in this band. I, I don't know. It's, just, it's, it's, it's what keeps me going. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I could have. I could, I could maybe should retire, but I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, but the way the way we came together um, while while Paul Cantner was still alive, you know, it, it, as as an ensemble, it is kind of unique in my life. I don't know. It we really meld really well, and and at all times, musically and and personally and everything. So I mean, I really love everybody. It's, it's it it really feels like a second family or actually a first family almost they're you know their families are our families you know it's just, it really is close i suppose you've heard it before but this really feels real right now well, no well also <laughs> i think there's something about your band that uh you know it's been able to kind of shape shift over the decades you know and still make music through all kinds of challenges all kinds of personnel changes and yet the music goes on i think that's fairly unique i mean even the way the jefferson airplane became the jefferson starship was a really interesting transition that not a lot of bands go through right right well this one i mean this one was everybody was kind of everybody in this band was is, is attracted to the weirdness of Paul Cantner. So, <laughs> well, Cantner really was. I mean, I know you guys had a had a long and and an interesting relationship. Uh, why don't you talk about that a little bit? Because again, he was there at the beginning, obviously, of the band when you were oh, yeah. in a different band back in the sixties. But you guys worked on a lot of cool things before you became a member of, of oh, the even plan. even even. I mean, Paul and I actually were. Had, were trying to become a folk duo like in 1964. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we moved to, moved, moved to Los Angeles and, and ended up on two, three houses from the beach in Venice, and, wow. which was which kind of doomed that because, well, here we are on the beach. What Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Little which did you know. What- and David Crosby was, was there about half the time. Yeah. yeah, well, well, again, I think that 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 team, you know, when you think of the characters involved then from Crosby to Cantor, everybody in the mid 60s, there in L.A. and the Bay Area. I mean, it's where you wound up was interesting. But you and Paul, obviously, were going to have a history further down the road, but not quite at that moment. Talk about Quicksilver Messenger Service. I mean, because, again, that's a band that for a lot okay. of people, I think a lot of young listeners today, they'd be well served by listening to what you did in that band, because they Quicksilver was really, I think, one of the most important bands that came out of the out of that scene they may not have gotten the attention that say the airplane or the dead got but you certainly had a following and made incredible music and you know featured skip spence early on it was a real cast of characters wasn't it well skip spence well he never really made it into quicksilver <laughs> for a moment there right he was just for, for, was... well for a moment we, we took him over to rehearse it at, at the matrix <laughs> <laughs> to uh uh, to, to, to try some stuff out. And while we were at the Matrix, Marty Bal- that was the Jefferson Airplanes right. home. And um, and Mar- Marty saw Skip and asked, hey, you look, have you ever played drums? And, and I think he said, yes, I played 
I played drums in the high school marching band. <laughs> and he said, How? and he ended up being Jefferson Airplane's first, well, second drummer. Right, before he went off to join Moby Grape, of course. Right, right. Because he, he, really, he was a guitar player. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, from there, what was your experience like in Quicksilver? I mean, what, what do you remember? Is there a story or two from that era that sort of defines for you what it was like to be playing in that band back then? Uh, it, when, it, when it turned into the four-piece group, like John and Gar, you know, Cipollina and, and Duncan and Greg Elmore and me, there, there were there were some times there that were really magic. I don't, I don't know. Well, when, when Jimmy Murray was there too, but he kind of left before we made any before we get wanted to to record anything, so that made it kind of. But um, we had a kind of <clears throat> the kind of thing that I I feel for for this band now mm -hmm. there for for a while and, until I, I I'd say um, till Gary Duncan quit right. And then it's not long after that. I mean, as far as, you know, your relationship with Paul, you know, circling back again, and then your entree into the airplane. Talk about that, because, again, these transitions for you as a musician are, are a big deal. You're going from really like from the frying pan into the fryer, you know, from that experience oh. into the airplane. What, how does that happen exactly? Oh, well, when I left Quicksilver, it was a result of a pot bust. Right. Which is so weird today when you think about it, how times have changed, right? I mean, <clears throat> yeah. how could that be? How could a pot bus back then be the result of all these things when you look at how the world has changed? You ever think about yeah, just it happened to me three times, and every time was a de definite comedy of errors. <laughs> <laughs> but so, but anyway, I actually had to do some jail time. And so that got that was an excuse for me to leave Quicksilver because I was really not doing. I wasn't, I wasn't writing. I wasn't doing anything. So I thought, Hmm. And so here's your time. Look, I'm stuck here. You guys got to keep playing, get a real mm -hmm. organ player and uh, sayonara and we'll all be happy. And I had no idea what I was going to do. And I ended up help working with Mickey Hart on his, from the dead on his mm -hmm. first, on his first solo record and um, brought in Paul and Grace at that time to, to sing on one song. And Grace ended up playing piano on it too, right? <clears throat> and that felt really that that felt really good. And at the same time, Marty Ballin had left Jefferson Airplane, so they needed a singer. And they were just completed an album, Long John Silver, and they needed to go out and promote it. And and so, would I like to replace Marty Ballin? And that wasn't much of a question. It was more <laughs> of a statement, you know. Sure, I would do that in a second because Paul's my old was the oldest friend I've had, you know, in the world practically. And Grace was, Grace was a lot of fun to hang with too. So, so there we were off for that. But, it, but of course it turns out that Jefferson airplane is, is kind of turning in. They had a new drummer, uh, Johnny Barbada and right. Papa John, Papa John was, a, John Creech was officially in the band too. And so there was, there was, there was two, Factions of originals like like Yorman Jack and Paul and Grace, and they were heading different directions it seemed, and so we were sitting there trying. Went out on this tour and did great everything. live we, album came out of that tour. Yeah, thirty seconds over Winterland. Yeah, and and that was a lot of and I had fun trying to keep it together. Yeah, and, and the band was playing really well, but it was after after the tour. You know, I. I even went speed skating with Yorm and Jack trying to, trying to get into that. Cause that seemed to be what they spent most of their time doing. And, um, but there was no musical contact between any of them, you know, but and Paul so and Grace and I had a lot of stuff going on and, and, and Paul, Paul owed an album to RCA and so did, and so did Grace. And so they asked me to come along and we, we, we went into the studio and started, doing an album called <clears throat> Baron Von ended up being called Baron Von Tollbooth and the Chrome Nun and was, now, were there, is it true? Those were nicknames that Crosby gave Paul and Grace. Oh, yep. That's, that's <laughs> he didn't have one for me. Although, or maybe he did. Maybe it was a wandering Jew. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so you do that record. The chemistry's feeling good. Um, it felt good. We had all, you know, had basically had Johnny Barbeda played, played drums on it. Mm. I, I believe. And, um, even Craig Chiquiso was there because an old friend of Paul's was, was his 
social studies teacher. He was still in high school. I was going to say he must have been a kid. Craig must have been a kid at that point. Yeah, he, he was still in high school, I, I think. And um, and he came into play on Jack Trailer's uh, uh, tune on, on on that. And and Jerry Garcia was in there, and Mickey Hart was there, and you know, you know, pretty much anybody. I think. I, be- I believe uh, David Crosby was there too, singing some backgrounds here and there. Unbelievable. Yeah. And from there, so, so now, now again, Airplane is becoming Starship at that point. There's the solo album, Paul did that concept album that sort of gets you to the name Starship. And so the band is evolving. Well, the concept album was, was, the, was uh, Paul had made earlier, which was uh, um, Blows Against the Empire. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And what's said, Star- Jefferson Starship crew over, over, over on the front of it would just named everybody that was playing on it. So, so the name gets introduced, and now the band is in this change, and and, and Jack and Yorma are kind of on the way out, right? And, and and so it's a new band essentially, with you firmly there for this next evolution of the band, which is one of the great kind of resurgences of the nineteen seventies. I mean, with the albums you started doing, talk yeah. about those a little bit because well, down down the hall from us, while we were doing Grace's album, Pete Sears, uh. What, who I met he, he when he was in John Cipollina's band. Anyway, great bass player and, and keyboardist at the same time. Mm-hmm. And he was producing uh, Kathy McDonald, who had kind of replaced uh, Janice with Big Brother. Right. And he was producing an album for her, and we brought him over and introduced him to Grace, and he played a blues piano thing, which ended up being on Grace's solo album. So when we finished that, we, we kind of – had the idea that maybe Pete should be in this band and he was mm-hmm. asked, but he was doing Rod Stewart in England. <laughs> <laughs> so as soon as he got that, maybe I could come back and do it after I'm done here. <laughs> which, is, which is what happened. And, but so when we go out to, we're get, what are we going to call this band we have now? Obviously it's what, and which is so obvious it was Jefferson Starship because of, you know, and yeah. Yeah, it was just the right thing to do. And I think what was smart about it is it, obviously it allowed you to shed part of the past and move into a new era, but but you kept that name Jefferson, which obviously there was equity in that and people could relate to that. So it was, a, I, I can't remember any other band that did that back then that went through a band that big going through a name change, which actually it was almost, I think it was a bigger, obviously it was a bigger band after that with the name change, what happened with Red Octopus, obviously, which we'll get to in a minute, but it was, it's a very unique story of a band from the yeah, 60s yeah. Um, going through that kind of change and not just surviving, but really kind of thriving. Yeah, it was a lot of fun for a while there. What do you remember? I mean, there are certain tunes that stood out, um, you know, because, of course, Marty comes back in the band, right? What's that like? Well, he kind of snuck in on one song on the first album, Dragonfly, because right. Paul had written the song Caroline, and Marty kind of, I guess Marty wrote a lot of it too. I must have written a good deal of the lyrics because they sound just like him. <laughs> <laughs> and so he did that one song, but the band seemed to do well, do okay. The album sold well. Yeah. And, and when it came time for the next album, he was amenable to jo- being in the band full time. Mm-hmm. And the next album, of course, is Red Octopus, right? Red Octopus, yeah, it was great. And- and that represents, you know, that that becomes easily one of the most iconic albums of, of the era. And uh, and you play a big part in that as well. I mean, talk about us. Take a song like Miracle, which becomes a real defining song for the band of the era that you play a part in. Talk about that a little bit. Well, that was a lot. Was That was. Yeah, there, there, there was magic in the air during that era. I, that, that's what it seems like. When, I mean, that's, that's what it is when everybody seems to be on the same page. And, you know, we get into the studio to record the basics. And when it's time for miracles, we, we, we rehearsed them pretty well. And so everybody knew them pretty well, but they hadn't really, you know, nothing really gels until it goes on tape. So right. we're doodling around and while, while the engineers get the sounds and everything, and I'm doodling around and I play this little like and I remember I remember doing it, watching my hands do it. I said, Oh, on the organ. And um, and everybody's ears perked up and said, What's that? I said, Well, it sounds like the first lick I was gonna play during the intro. And they, and <laughs> can you do that again? I could do it hundreds of times, and I ended up <laughs> so it was kind of the first hook. And that and it it just happened 
while we were recording it. So, well, I mean, that becomes really the signature part of the song that I think when you hear that today, it, it introduces yeah, yeah. a song in a way that just sets you up for this really marvelous, uh, you know, track that just today. I mean, I, it's funny. I, I did a long drive the last couple of days. I think I heard it four or five times still on like classic rock radio. It just still resonates, still feels totally current, you know, uh, and, and, and what you play on there, I think, is a large part of the reason. It just has this kind of oddly ethereal quality that feels very oh, timeless. It's the, whole, it's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. It's, yeah. it's the Gene, Payne, Gene Page orchestrations, but that never happened before with this man. Right. <laughs> Actual or- orchestrations. What's Those- it like in terms of now you go on the road with something like that and, you know, all of a sudden it's the band is being, you know, there's a lot of new fans. I remember, I mean, I was in eighth grade when that came out and there were a lot of kids who, who dialed into Red Octopus who'd had zero knowledge of the airplane. In, in a lot of ways, it was a new band for them. Did it feel that way on the road? Did you find audiences were younger? Was there an appreciation that was, you know, a little bit deeper than maybe the last couple of tours? Yeah, I, I, I guess so. It was, it was, it was, a, it was kind of a bigger hit than than the the latter airplane stuff. You know what I mean? Well, well, sure. But I mean, even at that point, the audiences had changed a lot, and you're getting you know radio play that hadn't been there in a while. Yeah. I mean, it really, it felt like a new. It really felt like a new band, and the new name I think really helped, you know, solidify that fact that you guys were in business in, in a whole new way. And it brought it up to date, anyway. Yeah, from airplanes to starships, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of cool too. Because again, even to the space age, and you know, Star yeah. Wars is only two years away, so it really played into a lot of that. I'm talking okay. with David Freiberg about. about that. <laughs> we're talking about uh, Quicksilver Messenger Service, the new Starship EP, which we'll get to. My name is Chris Epping. This is David Freiberg. We'll be back in just a minute. Thank you for listening to the moment, and again, hang in. A very quick commercial break here. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Chris Epting will be releasing the third edition of his best-selling baseball travel Bible, Roadside Baseball, in June 2019. Academy Award-nominated director Ken Burns said about Roadside Baseball, What a wonderful book. All the stations of the cross of our national pastime are here, big and small, telling and frivolous. I can imagine this book in the glove compartment of every true fan's car. A handy reference to this beloved game, no matter where in the country you are. The new edition features hundreds of new places to discover, more rare photos, stories, and trivia. It's everything you need to plan the baseball road trip of your dreams. Roadside Baseball, coming this June. Available for pre-order right now on Amazon.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. are listening to the moment with chris epting if you have a question or comment about our show please send an email to chris at chris that's chris at chris now back to the moment Thank you for rejoining me with my great guest here, David Freiberg, talking about Jefferson's Starship in the mid-1970s. David, offline here, you were saying that Miracles, when it, when it came out, it was like a seven-minute tune, obviously. To get on AM radio back then was no small feat. So there, there was a, a massive edit that had to happen, right, to bring that thing down? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the chorus repeated twice, and so they made it only go once, and there were there were... There was a few lyrics in there, which is the real reason for the, yeah <laughs> for the edit that wouldn't go on AM radio. Well, that's the thing. No, it was really it, it was a very it was kind of a heavy tune, you know. And yeah. uh, but but again, that edit obviously content notwithstanding, getting the time down obviously allowed it to be presented to a much broader audience on AM radio, which you had to have a three minute song, and and the it band. Worked. It worked. No, it totally worked. And, and the band w- was bigger than ever. And, uh, you know, from there, I believe, is it was Spitfire after without the next one? 
I think yep. that was the next record. And you just kind of that mid seventies, you know, Jefferson Starship just finds a groove in there and builds this whole new era of, of hit records that are incredible. And, and you're not done morphing and changing, right? Because there's, there's more changes in the works as the late seventies approach. Talk about that a little bit. Oh, the late seventies. Well, that was the band all the way up till th- through 1978. Anyway. Yeah. And then Earth comes out and uh, I think Runaway was a really kind of sweet Runaway. hit off of that. Runaway, yep. Another couple of tunes. And again, you're, you know, at that point, Jefferson Starship is one of the premier bands in the world. You know, you're, there's an expectation, I'm sure, that every record's got to be a platinum record at that point. And you're a really big band. And then there's another vocal shift and, and Mickey Thomas enters the, the situation, right? Well, we had this big blowout that happened in Germany when the audience right. rioted and burned everything down on the stage because we didn't play because Grace was sick. Now there's footage of that. And I think it's people can, I think it's readily available to look up on YouTube. What do you, that was a big deal. I mean, that made, made a lot of news and I know it was a big uh, turning point in the band. What do you remember about that scene in Germany, David? Well, there was two scenes in Germany. The second one was in Hamburg when we did play right and grace drank too much uh-huh. and she came out and was i don't know she, she managed to hide seeming really drunk but she, when she was when she was really drunk she she, she could still operate mm-hmm. but but her brain turned turned uh, with this what she thought was humor which really seemed nasty to most everybody that were around because I, I don't know it, it was strange i i don't know i i guess that's what's what remains the, that that uh yeah the video of that that's the video i was I've talking never, about i've never actually watched it is it too painful well, the band kind of pulled together and we managed to get through it. I remember yeah. Harvey was singing, singing one of us, I don't remember which song it was, but he had, he had Grace's, it had like a, a hammer lock on her with her arm behind her back and, and she couldn't move. And he just sang this straight into her face, smiling and, and she couldn't get, get out there, do anything. And, and that was kind of funny. It's one of those moments that really is, you know, it was a big deal. And again, looking at the footage today, the band does carry on and it's kind of, you know, it's a very dramatic moment, but, but things change pretty quickly after that, don't they? In terms of the band, there's some personnel changes. Yep. Grace, Grace left to, and and went to rehab. Right. And then Marty left too. What was that like? I mean, how did you feel? Because again, they're, they're obviously two critical parts of the pie at that point what is it like as a band when you're looking at carry on all of a sudden without you know the two you know basically front people lead vocalists at that moment what is it like well we had we we still had had the name and and we still had the guitar player and we still had yep. the player and keyboard players yep but we didn't have the drummer either because he got <laughs> he got into he got into a terrible auto accident johnny right johnny johnny got got it was out for like oh, almost a year and he got replaced by Ainsley Dunbar <laughs> from uh, journey originally journey, right? journey most. <laughs> yeah. That was the most recent band that he was in, but you need a vocalist at that point. And how, how does Mickey Thomas come into the, into play? Well, we had this song that, that, that I wrote with uh, uh, my friend Jim McPherson called Jane and which Craig had a, made a great arrangement. Craig Chiquiso made this beautiful, beautiful, heavy rock arrangement for, and, um, and we started auditioning male players and Paul was thinking about women players, but we never actually got one to come up and play with us, but we did Mm -hmm. have a few people come into audition and we all kind of figured the person, the one that sang Jane the best, because I'd written it in a key too high for me to sing. I thought Marty was going to sing it. And he's right. And, um, and uh, so whoever sang Jane best was going to be probably. <laughs> that that was guy, the test. You know? Who can you know? nail Jane down the best? And when M- Mickey Thomas was available and he came in and sang it. And uh, it, right from the first, you know, first time I heard that. And I said, well, I assume this is the guy. Does he want to do it? <laughs> Yeah. Mickey Thomas, of course, at that point was probably best known for being in Elvin, Elvin, Elvin Bishop's group and singing Fooled Around and Fell in Love and had a very radio friendly voice, obviously, that people oh, had yeah. reacted to. Yes. A great singer. One yeah. 
best singers I've ever heard. And so he gets the gig. I mean, he obviously accepts so he, the gig. So he gets the gig because he's really tired of hearing his only hit out there. And then they say, yeah. that's Elvin Bishop. <laughs> well, I was, yeah, that, that was always confusing when you had a name yeah. of a band. Yeah, that had that had a wear on him a little bit because uh, a lot of everybody thought it was Elvin Bishop, obviously. <laughs> Uh, I remember seeing you'd see him on the midnight special or something. And it didn't make sense that they, that Elvin Bishop was just a guitar player in the background, but so he joins your band and um, obviously, uh, you know, it's a big hit, you know, it's something you wrote. So that's gotta be a great feather in your cap at that point. Right. Yeah. We felt, we felt really good. And there was a lot, there was a lot of good stuff and we just kept on going and we actually, you know, Paul liked the thing where we had the, the three-part harmonies with the woman vo- vocalist, mm-hmm. you know. But in truth, with this band, we could still do that because Mickey could sing any could sing higher than Grace anyway. Right, right. So we, we still ha- would have all the parts there. And so, you know, the vocals didn't really suffer other than not having Grace. You know, yeah, and I mean, the band, but was there ever talk of her coming back, or was she basically at that point had she expressed that that was it? I mean, did you ever try and talk her back in, or I never thought she was really going to stay away. I think once she, I figured once she took care of the the alcohol problem, she'd probably want to come back, mm-hmm. and sure enough, she did. <laughs> And what's that like? You know, what's that new? Because again, you, you bring Mickey Thomas and once again, the band manages to to shift again and, and continue with hits bigger than ever. What's it like when Grace comes back in? Well, then we get duets. Yeah. And you get duets <laughs> like, what comes to mind first? We built this city. Oh. No, no, that's after, that's after I was gone. So <laughs> oh, That's right. That's a couple of years after you're done. So what are the first couple of moments with them together? And do you think it works well? Are you, are you, do you stranger, like that sound? They're stranger and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, be my, uh, yeah, yeah, it worked great. It worked really well. And I, then it, did, it worked, worked well. And, and then gradually it kept getting more and more produced. Yeah. And less, yeah, and, that's, and, less, and less and less and then which would left kind of left Paul and and probably me too because I I I was kind of I I would play anything that you hand me you know I I play guitar I I played viola when, you know I could and I and I played bass and quicksilver because that there was no bass players and so I had to so right right and, do you think uh, that sound that 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 really slick I think overtly slick sound was that sort of a product of the eighties as well because you know that happened to, to a lot of bands where they became overproduced and it, yeah. it feels almost like a function of the era well I don't know whether it's overproduced it's just what it it, it, it was that way I mean, yeah I, that sound. I, I could appreciate it, you know. I, I I watched it all happen, you know, and realize it. And and towards towards the end, uh, when we came back, and I wasn't really produced, but it was Ron Nevis, and he brought in Peter Wolf, the Viennese keyboardist and producer, right. who was an amazing keyboard player. I mean, <laughs> absolutely would your your eyes would pop out of your head watching watching his fingers, but uh, but he. Uh, he ended up, you know, people people in the band did less and less, you know, and, and it's less, it was less folky and, and it wasn't right for Paul. And it really wasn't right for me to be there either. I mean, you know, I could sing and I, and I could play a little, and I could play some guitar and I could play some bass, but I wasn't. I, I, if you put me on keyboards and wanted me to be Peter Wolf, that wasn't going to happen. You know, I, I could play what right. I, you know what I feel. And what happens then, David? What is, what is so, it like? So, uh, so Paul left. And Which was, uh, that's a big deal for Paul to leave. Right? I mean, a big deal. And so we went through a bunch of stuff and then turned into legal hassles. And yeah. so we dropped, we agreed, they agreed to, to separate it. This would be starship and we wouldn't, use, nobody would use Jefferson anymore. And, Isn't that uh, something how it yeah. comes down to those legal matters where you can't say the word Jefferson. Strange, yeah. <clears throat> and they go and they go and then we and after paul left they had we had a meeting and we decided well how about you leaving too and i said that's what i was going to bring up <laughs> you know and so i left too 
And how did you feel? What was that like for you at that point? Because at this point now, I had, had mixed feelings about it because I, I, I realized that, that I liked everybody and there was no real big deal, but I could also see that I, I could suit myself better by going somewhere else where, where, where I could, could do something, you know? Right. Well, where, where I would fit in better. And so I left. And what's that period like for you, David, right after you leave? Well, let's see. I left and I went and I was just hanging out around, around the house. And Gary Duncan from Quicksilver calls me up, says I, and he built a studio in San Rafael. And he said, hey, I got some chick singer coming over and I need to do some background vocals. Do you want to come over and sing? And so I went over and sang. And, and there, there was this girl that came over a singer named Linda Imperial, who, who the engineer knew because he'd, he'd done a bunch of dance music and stuff. And, and, and he had used Linda for a lot of, for a lot of background vocals. And, and, and we, we sang and it turned, she turned. And eventually she turned, she turned into joining, joining a Gary Duncan Quicksilver thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up, I ended up falling in love and marrying her and we still are married. Isn't that something? So that was a real plus for leaving Jefferson Starship. I'm for leaving Starship, excuse me. Right, right. (laughs) There's a lawyer on the line right now who heard you say that and wants to circle back and ask you some questions about it. What's this, Jefferson? Jefferson? (laughs) (laughs) How was your relationship at that point with Paul? How does that evolve over the years? Because I know it was a special one. There was obviously, uh, it was difficult leaving the band the way both of you guys did. How does that circle back, David? And how do you guys reconnect? Because Paul Cantner, again, remains just such a lion in that that scene, you know, and just so iconic in his own way. Uh, You as well. How do you guys reconnect? Uh, Paul, Paul was really annoyed with me for not leaving when I, with him. Right. And, and and thinking back on it, I I have this thing about not quitting, you know, Uh I stuck around with Quicksilver for an extra year when I real, and I, when I realized at the beginning of that year that I, I really wasn't going to be able to do anything with Dino Valenti in the band because he had to, had to to do everything, you know, and, and it just wasn't working. And, and, um, but I stuck it out for a year and and that the pot bus got me out of it. So (laughs) plus I think when Paul left, when Paul Paul left, he was, he was, he was annoyed with me. And so I, and I, we, we didn't really actually talk much for years. Right. Right. Which is interesting because his stakes in the band when he left were a lot different. I mean, I can understand maybe why he was annoyed, but but still, he was there a lot longer than you and I think had deeper roots, right? So, oh, yeah. to make that expectation of you is a, seems a little weird, but I, I kind of get it. But then again, he had a different relationship with the band as an architect of that band than you did. But But you do come back together. How does that thaw begin to happen? Well, well I, I started... Well, this happened, you know, Starship only lasted through 1989. Right. And then it kind of dissolved because everybody, Grace left first and then Pete left and, and I don't know. And and there's something I don't want to talk about. That's okay. (laughs) And, and, but it, it, it ended up, ended up just kind of dissolving and, and then I believe they became a non-entity to dissolve the corporation. And that was it. It goes away, but it's not That's done. It. Well, then Paul decides he wants to, he, 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 he's, he, he's got a band. He, he, they, they, got, they made a reunion Jefferson Airplane album mm-hmm. with Paul and Grayson and Yorman Jack and, um, and a tour, but that didn't really... Uh, you know that that didn't go past that, and then Paul started playing again, getting his own band together. Right, remember that? P. E. Lavitz or, or Tim Gorman and uh, Prairie Prince and Slick Aguilar, and and uh, and he started playing again. And he, I believe, he called it Next Generation 
Jefferson Starship Next Generation or something like that. Right, 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 right. And then he finally just started calling it Jefferson Starship. And does he call you? How do you how do you reconnect with him? No, he, he didn't call. Well, he did finally. But, I, I, you know, I, I went, to, went to watch him a, a few times and, and started talking to Paul again. And, it was, and we, he was friendly. He said, do you want to get up and sing? Go ahead, you know, you know. You know, because I think Pete had, had was sitting in at, at a big thing in, in Golden Gate when they played free gig in Golden Gate Park or something like right, that. Right, right. And 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 I'd and I'd see his, see him play around occasionally, and then I get a call from his manager asking me if I wanted to his manager Michael Gaiman if I if I wanted to sit in with him for a couple of songs at, when they were playing in Marin County, and I did. And lo and behold, it was fun, you know, because it kind of, you know, I was kind of resisting getting back into bands because, you know, I just said, well, it's just going to be the producer doing all this crap. And, you know, it wasn't fun, but this was a band and it was fun and all the players were really, were good. And, and, and so they asked if I wanted to sing, do another gig that was just down near Pismo Beach. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And then want to do this East Coast gig, East Coast run with us? And I said, oh, okay. And I never stopped. And I was and so, back in. So that was like 2005. And It's, and it's amazing, <laughs> you know, that you were able to, to let that thaw happen. I mean, really, time does heal, I guess, in that instance. Oh, yeah. Was oh, yeah. really just meant to be because you guys had so much, so much great baggage together, you know, through well, all this. I apologize. I apologize. I said, you know, I, 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 seems to me I was wrong. And that was good enough for, uh, yeah, for yeah. Paul. My guest is David Freiberg telling us all about breaks up, breakups and makeups in, in Starship and Jefferson Starship and Jefferson Airplane. I'm Chris Septing. This is the moment. We'll be right back after this. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Chris Epting will be releasing the third edition of his best-selling baseball travel Bible, Roadside Baseball, in June 2019. Academy Award-nominated director Ken Burns said about Roadside Baseball, What a wonderful book. All the stations of the cross of our national pastime are here, big and small, telling and frivolous. I can imagine this book in the glove compartment of every true fan's car. A handy reference to this beloved game, no matter where in the country you are. The new edition features hundreds of new places to discover, more rare photos, stories, and trivia. It's everything you need to plan the baseball road trip of your dreams. Roadside Baseball, coming this June, available for pre-order right now on Amazon.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america you are listening to the moment with chris epting if you have a question or comment about our show please send an email to chris at chris that's chris at chris now, back to The Moment. Thank you for joining me back here. I'm Chris Epting. My guest today is David Freiberg. Of uh, So many great musical um, experiences from Quicksilver Messenger Service through Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship. Um, David, new EP, Mother of the Sun, coming out right now. We sp- spoke about it a little bit at the top of the show, but you sounded you sound really happy about it. And it's interesting that Grace Slick even plays a, a small part in this, huh? Yeah, she does. She she wrote some lyrics on on the that the song is uh, it's about time. it's about time yeah that's pretty cool I mean I I don't think many people would have expected to have to hear Grace Slick's name you know as part of a new release on any level but that's that's wonderful that she uh, is rep- represented there with some of her words that had to feel good 
Yeah, well, I was as I was saying before, when 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 the uh, when Paul passed away, this the, this band is the is the band that was left after without Paul. Mm-hmm. And at his at his funeral, um, his family expressed some great interest in us keeping going. And then Grace Grace said she'd she'd love to give us a license since she was the only one remaining from. Jefferson Starship Incorporated, or whatever, whatever it was. Yeah. Anyway, so we, so she did that, and um, and we hung out with her a little bit, and she really got, was seemed seemed to get along with Kathy really well because they're they're both very strong women, <clears throat> and they appreciated that. And it says, "Well, you got anybody that is really really aggressive and can make decisions." Is it the is it the woman? We all said yes. She said, "Perfect." <laughs> oh, that's funny. Kathy Richardson, yeah. of course. Kathy Richardson, uh, who, yeah. Who, um, you know, there's that's a lot to carry in a band with that name, Jefferson Starship. You know, for for the expectations, there's a lot of pressure on her. I would think when she gets up and sings certain things, and she seems to do a wonderful job, okay. not just with the new stuff, but also in translating the historic uh, tunes as well. Oh yeah, she she. Well, she she was a Jefferson Starship fan when she was sixteen. Hmm. She had, our poster was on her bedroom wall, along with Heart. Those were her two fav- favorite bands. And she she had not only listened to Jefferson Starship, but then she said, "Well, they came from Jefferson Airplane," and she got all the LPs from those. And she she knew when she got into this band, she knew all of our stuff. Wow, better than you know all of Paul's stuff better than he did still. Because <laughs> she has, she has a really sharp memory. <clears throat> She's a quick study. She learns things fast. It's the first EP. It's the first new album in twelve years. Right, goes back a ways. So I know a well, lot of people. Twelve years ago was when Kathy first got into the band. Right. Yeah, and he did. A, these were all basically uh, folk songs. Paul loved the Weavers. That, yeah, that, that was where he got the the idea of having a woman singer and and you know a couple of male singers, the, and, and so so we did a bunch of that. We did you know Chimes of Freedom, Dylan song, and and and, and it, it was nice for what it was. A lot of protest songs, you know, Phil Oak Phil Oak songs. Well, this time out as well, you, you have Pete Sears back on a couple of tracks, right? Yeah, Pete came back and played bass on three t- three tracks, and I mean uh, that's a great that's a great reunion piece. It seems like and, to be able there's, to get. There's, there's 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 a tune that that Marty wrote 15 years ago with our keyboard player Chris Smith, mm-hmm. who who's been in the band since 1998. So that's that's 22 years. Isn't that something? I mean, that's like when you think about the first iteration of the Jefferson Airplane, it wasn't together really half that long. And you've got a guy who's already put in 22 years like that. I mean, band history. It wasn't history, half that long. It was barely a third that long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. But yeah. but again, I think it's just a testament to the strength of what um, what Paul set up and what Grace set up, what the original concept of the band was, which was really a, an independent free thinking group that was going to survive no matter what. Right. And you've done that. It had to feel great though, to get the blessing from grace to move on like this in the wake of Paul's death and, and just to be putting out new, new music like this, that sounds so good. And it's getting this kind of attention. I would think from your standpoint has got to be really gratifying after all you've been through musically. Well, we looked at each other and realized that we loved each other so much and, and playing together was really important, you know. And so we we knew we, we knew we had to do that somehow. It, it, it just had to happen. Well, when you listen to it, I mean, again, it's funny how there's still this kind of 1960s ethos that comes through, you know, this that real sense of um, of belonging and and being relevant, being socially relevant. What's it been like for you? I mean, dude, so, so the band's got this new record coming out now. Obviously, you can't tour for right now. Um, what's it like for you as a musician to have to kind of sit back and think, okay, maybe next year we can go out with this. Well, what the plans have been were we not in the, the state that we are right now? Oh, we'd be on the road. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, we 
you know, we have gigs that have been booked, you know, like, you know, for over a year now, probably. Right. We're just, they're still sitting there coming up and they're just getting canceled as they come up, you know, they're not canceled. They're getting postponed. Postponed. Right. But the plan is, so obviously if things get back to normal next year to get back out and again, present mother of the sun. And of course, all the other great catalog pieces in a live setting. Right. I mean, that would be, that's the goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's got to be weird for you. You've toured so much in your life to all of a sudden have a lockdown like this where touring basically goes away. I think about touring musicians all the time and just how this takes away, not just you put the money aside for a second. I know that matters, but just the idea of being on the road, it becomes culturally part of your of your DNA, right? I mean, you're you're just yeah. used to going out. Or it's got to be weird to have that that piece taken away, right? Yeah, it's weird not just having a suitcase that's half packed around all the time. yeah well hopefully you'll you'll all get back to it um was the rest of the band satisfied with with the new ep i mean when you when you were finished with it um what what kind of what was the feeling i know you're happy about it was everybody else as happy as you are oh yes oh yes we we all loved it and uh, we had fun making making we got three videos ready for this one right probably make a couple we'll probably make more how much of it was done before the whole uh, COVID situation? The three videos were shot and the, oh, the album was done, probably finished. It's been finished for over a year. Right. So you didn't have, that didn't affect anything in terms of, you didn't have to do things remotely. You were able to work the way you usually work. And no, um, if you look at these two videos that were shot last October, I think. Right. You'd think, you'd think that they were shot after the, after this showed up, you know, after, after the pandemic was here, but no, they were <laughs> so you'll funny. See, you'll see when he's, well, actually the, the second one, the, uh, what are we waiting for is the second song that, mm-hmm. that's, that's going to come out. And that has, you'll see it. It's, 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 it's today practically. Wow. Well, again, Rolling Stone did a really nice piece on uh, on the new album and, and the reviews have been really terrific. Again, that's got to be satisfying. David, looking back over your career with the band, are there a couple of shows that stand out, not including like the, the, the infamous Germany riot shows, but but shows that were more triumphant that still stand out in your brain as being sort of like the really kind of peak moments for you as a performer on stage that, that you think about? Um. I mean, this is a band before you that played at Altamont <laughs> infamously, and you see that you see them in Gimme Shelter. You see Marty Ballon actually get knocked yeah, out right. by a Hell's Angel. Right, um, that's just insane, crazy. But um, I, I, I went to that. I, I showed up at Altamont, but I I I, I got there late and I missed I missed the airplanes. <laughs> oh, you're kidding! You were actually you were at that show. Uh, well, Quicksilver was was in hiatus. We were ma- we were recording. Uh-huh. And, and so I didn't have, but I f- finally said, well, maybe I'll get out there. And so I just got in a car and went. And by the time I got there, it was Marty had already been knocked out. Were you, were you backstage or were you kind of out in the throngs yeah. of people? I went to go, when I got there, just when I walked in, I started to go backstage and, and the hell's angels stopped me and said, well, no, you got to pass. And I said, well, and, and immediately, right then, it was between sets, and and they and Pride of Man came on. They <laughs> Quicksilver song, and I said, "That's me," and I sang along with it. And they said, "Oh, okay, go." <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's yeah. really. And I, I ended up I ended up flying uh, flying in a helicopter. Just left my car Ooh. on the side of the highway, and I flew back with Paul and Grace, and spent <laughs> spent spent the night at the airplane. Were you there? Um, were you there when the Stones played that night? We left while they were playing. We watched them for a little while, and then then Grace and Paul and Bill Wagner, the road manager, said, "You want to want to lift back to, back to San Francisco?" And I said, "You bet." David, did you have any idea that night of just how infamous? I mean, again, this is just a couple of months after Woodstock, the yeah. defining concert moment of 1969. The decade's going to come crashing down on the back of, of Altamont. Did you have any idea that night just how infamous that 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 show was going to be portrayed later on? Well, it sure, sure felt like pretty bad vibes. Yeah, <laughs> you left, you know. So, 
I mean, you felt that there, there are people who, who, there, who were there who sat way in the back who were sort of oblivious to the chaos because they were 100 yards away. But I guess the closer you got to it, you realized it really was a war zone. So it was obvious to you that things were really wrong that night. Oh, oh obviously, yes. Yes. Yeah. Being backstage. Being out um, there, like, it sounded pretty good. Yeah, well, you can listen to. It's funny if you listen to tapes of the bands that played today. There, there are some great performances, and the Stones in particular put on a really good show. Notwithstanding the fact that one of the tunes is interrupted when a guy is killed, Meredith Hunter is killed during uh, yes. "Under My Thumb," I guess, which is which is crazy. But but going back to your time later in the seventies and eighties, you guys played some big shows. I mean, uh, does, is there one or two that stand out that was sort of you know where you one of the other kind of pinch me moments where you look at where you are and the number of people or something maybe a day on the green show or something uh i don't know if you guys i guess i was getting pretty blasé about it all <laughs> yeah well i guess that happens after all, you do it they, they were all fun they were all fun i'm not saying yeah. i i really can't, that's that's kind of that's really pretty amazing that i can't really pick one out well, but I guess there is a blur factor. I mean, you guys were on, you did a lot of road work. Um, you were a big band. I'm sure at a certain point, they all do tend to kind of bleed into one another. But look, what matters? Always I think, playing, we're always playing on the same stuff. You know, most yeah. of the time we're bringing everything, you know. Well, but I think what matters today, again, the fact that you're, that there's still a Jefferson Starship today, the fact that, you know, Mother of the Sun, your new EP is coming out now. I think it's, again, it's a real testament to the spirit of a band that grew out of this incredible Bay Area music scene. And, you know, thankfully, the Grateful Dead still has a version, you know, they put, they're able to still exist as a band. You know, you've got, you got Santana, the Doobie Brothers, you have a lot of great, you know, journey bands that grew out of that era that are still making music. And I think that's terrific but but no no band more than the jefferson airplane jefferson slash jefferson starship i think has been able to sort of overcome personnel changes and name changes and everything to a point where today you're still able to make new music and look ahead while still embracing um what made you guys so special in the first place absolutely you know so i'm so i'm so so, i have so much gratitude for for what what i have right now well, M- Mother of the Sun is available w- while you'll be hearing this, and and it's terrific. Check out the videos. Check out the new music. It really is. Uh, it really is a, a great listen. And and again, you you hear those little pieces of the past, but it's very much an, an album that's grounded in today and feels very relevant today. And David, you're a huge part of that. I want to thank you for all the time, energy, and love you've put into music um, going way back now, more than fifty years worth of really really classic, priceless moments. We we're, we're you know, big fans here and, and really appreciate you taking this hour thank to chat with me. Oh, the moment. Thank you so much, Chris. Really. Thank you. The album is Mother of the Sun. The band, of course, is Jefferson Starship, what we all grew up with. Uh, you may have grown up with the Jefferson Airplane, but David Freiberg has been a huge part of their sound for many years, and we thank him very much. I thank you for joining me here in the moment this week, and I'll be back next week with somebody. I don't know if they'll be as interesting as David Freiberg, but they'll, they'll be great nonetheless. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. And Aaron Keller, our expert uh, engineer, thank you for putting in the time as well, man. We'll see you next week. Thank you for taking a moment out of your busy week to join us for The Moment. Be sure to join Chris Epting for another edition every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.